Grizzly Adams sets fire to his head will not be seen this week so that NBC may present the following special program. About the way you do. The good time papa's gonna poison you. Sprinkle a goop of dust all around your bed. Wake up one of these days, find your own self dead. She said, You shouldn't say that. I said, Well, what did I say this time, babe? She said, mm, I don't know. She got demo in her jaw. The clothes she wear made out of vested clothes. She can take them and wash them and hang them up beside the wall. She can throw them out the window, pick them up a little bit before they fall. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White. And I'm just going to let you know things have been really, really hectic. I've been on the road doing comedy. I've had a, some personal... Personal, I'm, I don't, I sound, now I sound like Joe from, personal family, you know, I, I've had some personal financial problems, so I'm really working hard on trying to keep putting out the podcasts as much as possible, and I'm trying to set them up with friends, because I know my podcasts with guests are always better than just listening to me ramble on, but every time I seem to set one up, it always seems to fall through. But I want to keep putting it out, so I have. So what we have here is I am doing the Best of Dan Aykroyd DVD. Now, I grew up with the best of John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and Chevy Chase. All three of those were on VHS, and I grew up with those three. But I found the best of Dan Aykroyd on DVD... And there are slight differences. It's longer, so obviously some sketches have been added to it. But on the VHS tape, it starts and it ends. The VHS tape of John Belushi, the best of John Belushi, which I've done, as is also on this channel, starts with him singing Soul Man and ends with him singing Soul Man. On the VHS tape, it starts with Dan Aykroyd singing Rubber Biscuit and ending with him singing Rubber Biscuit. Because out of all the songs, I believe there's only one or two where Dan is the lead singer. Well, this one starts off, it starts off with Don Pardo, the great Don Pardo, saying, uh, Grizzly Adams sets himself on fire. Uh, won't, Won't be seen tonight and we're gonna show you the the Saturday Night Live, the Blues Brothers. And they open up with I Don't Know, with Belushi singing. Now, Dan Aykroyd plays a wicked harmonica. And you can see and play, you can see and hear him play a wicked harmonica on this opening song. But I still don't understand why they didn't, they didn't use Rubber Biscuit, because he was the lead singer. I don't know if they didn't have the rights. I don't know what got into their head. But they didn't on the DVD. Now, the thing about this is, this is really, really early Blues Brothers. 
because the sunglasses are slightly different. They're not the Ray-Bans that we've we've come to know and love. Also, the the hat, the hats were a little different. They still hadn't gotten the complete look of the Blues Brothers done at this point. But it's still a great song, even though Dan's not singing. Like I said, he plays some killer, killer harmonica on that song. So that's how the DVD starts. And then we go to him and Steve Martin, to Wild and Crazy Guys. Dan, in my opinion, had the first two really strong recurring characters on Saturday Night Live. One being the Wild and Crazy Guy with Steve Martin, and of course the others being Conids. Belushi had Samurai, and they could only do it when Steve Martin was on the show. So this is like a recurring character, a sporadic recurring character, because they could only do it when Steve Martin was on it. It would only work with Steve Martin. He never did it alone, and I appreciate that. Sometimes they get a character, they team him up with a guest, the character works. Of course, the guest is not going to be on every week, so they bring the character back different incarnations without the original character. They only did it when Steve Martin was on. Fortunately, Steve Martin was on quite a lot those first couple of years, so we got a lot of wild and crazy guys. Oh, Jorge, my brother. There will certainly be a lot of swinging in our bachelor pad tonight. <laughs> Hold it. Let's catch some rays. <laughs> you and what army? <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Ah, that Fox Barn was really something tonight. It was no difficulty to see many swinging Americans enjoying each other a great deal. And here is a thing I will tell you. The two most swinging foxes had the huts on for us and are coming here tonight to let us hold on to their big American breasts. Why not? There's nothing preventing them. After all, there's no other pair of Czech brothers who cruise and swing so successfully in tight slacks. We are two wild and crazy guys. But Wild and Crazy Guy, love the sketch. It's the one where they pick up the American foxes. And they're coming back to their place, and Garrett Moore shows up. Once again, Garrett Moore is criminally underused. Uh, broken record time here. Every single podcast I've done that talks about a Saturday Night Live episode, or the best of Saturday Night Live compilations, it's, it's always... And you know what? We don't even have a best of Garrett Morris, and I think that's a crime. But Garrett Morris is criminally underused. He is their neighbor who says... These two foxes have stood them up because they had to go to the, the Empire State Building to get uh, contraceptives, which I believe this was this sketch was in the mid-70s. Might have been a bit scandalous, even though it was late night, talking about contraceptives on television. And the thing about this sketch is, which really makes me appreciate the earlier sketches, is Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd are talking to each other as the brothers. Their faces are right next to each other. Their noses are almost touching. And there's no... La and there, there's hardly any cue card reading. You can... In all of these sketches, you can hardly tell. If somebody's reading a cue card, you can hardly tell it. Hardly any cue card reading. But Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd are nose-to-nose. -nose, 
and they're not laughing. And that just made me think, like, if Jimmy Fallon was in this sketch, they'd be, Horatio Sands, they'd just be giggling in each other's face. I really love the fact that no cue cards, no giggling. It was just wild and crazy, guys. Love it. Then we have Mel Char. And this is one of Dan's fast-talking characters. We're going to see a lot of Dan's fast-talking characters because that's a character of his. Uh, Mel Char, you pick your, you know how you go into a restaurant and you pick your own lobster? Well, they've taken it where you go, you know, you pick your own cow. You, you sludge them. You, you hit them with a hammer. You dice them up. You cook them. You serve them. It's a, it's a full-serve cattle restaurant. And it's just ridiculous. And what makes it work is the, the, the fast talking from Dan Aykroyd. None of these sketches would work if it wasn't for his ability to just talk to really fast and get out all the words, being able to understand all the words, being able to enunciate all the words. And this is just like a 20, 30 second. There's a couple more of these spread out uh, in, the, in the John Belushi best of. There was these short sketches of the same characters. That's what's, that's what's happening here. And then we have the Coneheads. And Steve Martin is a guest in this Coneheads sketch. And I love Steve Martin. And like I said, I love Steve Martin and Dan together as the wild and crazy guys. However, there were just tons and tons of Conehead sketches. And we just saw him with Dan as a wild and crazy guy. Why not pull another sketch? A sketch with a different guest star. Like, Steve is great. They work together great. But I would just like to see it in more variety. We've just saw we 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 just saw Steve Martin one sketch before literally one sketch before and now he's back he's from the IRS and how Dan and Jane Curtin I, I always give Jane Curtin credit she stands up with Dan with the fast talking as as a, 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 a primat and Beldar and primat two classic TV characters. Now, even though I think we could have used another Steve Martin, a different sketch without Steve Martin, Steve Martin, as you know, we just saw, was the wild and crazy guy, but he plays it, he plays it subdued. And I really, really like that in this sketch, where he, he's, he's uh, from the IRS, and he's not overly wacky, and so he has the ability to play it straight and to play it low-key as opposed to you know being off the wall as that has his as he was for most of his characters in the 70s it's a conehead sketch all three Lorraine Newman is great as the daughter great sketch just like I said I would like to see a different guest star on there other than Steve Martin just to get a little more variety we go back to Mel's Char Palace and we bring in Gilda Radner as his wife it's basically the same thing as the first one Gilda Radner looks fantastic. As she's just waving this electric chainsaw around, which you're going to use to cut up your cut up your cow. Uh, and now we have uh, another character. I, I I forgot that Dan had so many great characters. Irwin Mainway, you know the sleazeball that would try the sleazeball on all these talk shows, where either it's Jane Curtin or Candace Bergen. When Candace Bergen was the guest star. 
she would be like these consumer report shows. Well, this one is Jane Curtin, and it's a Halloween episode. And they are talking about costumes, about bag of glass, you know, what is it, uh, midnight, uh, <laughs> a midnight pedestrian where it's all black clothing. It's just Dan Aykroyd at his sleaziest. And Jane Curtin can never corner him. He plays it perfectly where he has an answer for everything and he's always right no matter what the answer is. He is not going to let her bully him into saying that Johnny a Human Torch, which is a bag of rags and a lighter, is a, not a safe product. No, it is a safe product if you use it correctly. Perfectly played. Perfect slime ball. I think all slime balls on television should be modeled after Irwin Mainway because he just plays it perfectly. Our next sketch is another. Now, this was not a recur. He, he plays Julia Childs. And uh, this is the famous sketch where he cuts his hand and he starts bleeding all over the place. Oh, well, anyway, it's time to bone the chicken. Now, for this, you need a very sharp knife. Can't do nothing without a sharp knife. And you place the chicken on its stomach and cut along the backbone to the Pope's nose like so. Oh, oh. Now I've done it. I've cut the dickens out of my finger. Well, I'm glad in a way this happened. You know, accidents do happen. From time to time in the kitchen, we've never really discussed what to do. Saturday Night Live was not the way, like, in later years it became, uh, but not, it did, but not like uh, Kids in the Hall or Monty Python. There wasn't a lot of drag in Saturday Night Live. There was some, but it, it there wasn't a lot of drag as there was in a lot of sketch shows before or after. So Dan Aykroyd in drag, and he plays Julia Childs, and he cuts his hand, his finger, and the sketch is just him just bleeding out onto the uh, onto the set. 
it, it's brilliantly funny and it's brilliantly timed where you can see, where the where you can see the blood loss in Dan's performance. The more blood he loses, the the more slurry his speech gets and the more he just barely is able to get around the set. After you see it once in a while and you know what's coming at the beginning of the sketch, you can see he's holding his hand in an odd way, which is of course the sponge or whatever that is holding all the fake blood in it and his arm is like a weird way because you because of the tube it's like one of those things where once you see it once you can't unsee it so uh you could see oh the, that that's why he's holding his arm that way the the blood is gonna start pouring out in a second french chef julia childs it's a classic something that should be shown every thanksgiving or every christmas you know christmas dinner in my opinion okay so this next sketch i really remember not being on the vhs and it is the nerd sketch with bill murray gilda radner and jane Curtin. bill murray and gilda rat uh, gilda radner are a couple of high school nerds and of course jane Curtin plays gilda radner's mom who is a grown-up nerd the sketch is mainly this is a bill murray gilda radner sketch and Dan comes in at the end as the repairman with the big butt crack. They start making fun of him. But it's like a it's like a five-minute sketch, and he comes in for the last 45 seconds of a minute, and they make fun of him. To me, this shouldn't be on there. Because this is, like I said, this is a Bill Murray, Gilda Radner sketch. This is not a Dan Aykroyd sketch. This this does not focus on Dan. If you're going to have a sketch with Dan in it, Dan needs to be the main figure. He doesn't need to come in and show his ass at the end of the sketch and then get a laugh, you know, and then the sketch is over. So just my opinion on that. And this is one of the sketches that was not on the VHS tape. I remember that vividly that this sketch was not. So I don't know. They added it, but they didn't add a Dan Aykroyd sketch. They added a Bill Murray sketch. So we're going to we're going to move on. And then we have the Bassomatic. Oh, the Bassomatic. That was this was one of my first introductions. People would always talk even before I saw the sketch. I remember people talking about the Bassomatic sketch, where Dan Aykroyd plays a fast-talking salesman, and it's like, "Are you tired of preparing fish?" It's, and, and he just he just puts the bass in the water, you know, and just it's a blender. It's he, he blends the fish. A couple of things. One, there was an old um, urban legend that. In the original show, he drank the fish down, and uh, that was a, like the Mandela effect. A lot of people swore, swore that they saw in the when it first came on that Dan took a drink from the cup. Uh, he, he blends up the fish, and there's no editing, so he blends up the fish and then just takes a drink. So if he did, it was really the fish that he ground up. That never happened. Like I said, that is a, a, a Mandela effect. That is just something that's been woven into into pop culture that that just does not exist and and there's one time and he puts the bass of haddock in and the blender jumps out of the almost jumps out of the the bottom and almost spills right there it's live television dan catches it gets back down and and gets it to work so that's one of the things where you're using actual props in a live television show, an actual blender, where it can, and you're actually blending a fish, things can go off the rail. He caught it in time, and and no real damage was done. 
the famous Bassomatic in his suit holding the bass. Classic. Love it. And now we have Count Point Counterpoint. And this is with uh, Jane Curtin. And they're talking about Lee Marvin at the time. At the time, Lee Marvin's wife uh, was divorcing him. Or it wasn't his wife. It was his live-in girlfriend. She accused him of infidelity. And so the point is, uh, Jane Curtin is saying that that Lee Marvin's wife should get paid for all the time that she spent with him. And Dan's, of course, is, you, you shouldn't. And with this, we, of course, we get the, the famous line, Jane, you ignorant slut. She gives us a very, very long, very, very elegant side to her story on why Lee Marvin's wife slash girlfriend should be compensated for her time with the actor. Very well thought out, very well said. And there, there's a beat And then he says, Jane, you ignorant slut, and the audience just erupts. So that is not only uh, clever writing, it's great timing with that. And then, of course, Dan does his diatribe on why why Lee should be able to keep his money. Um, Let's see. Uh, Okay, so here we have one. Ask President Carter. This was one that was not on the VHS tape. And it is Bill Murray... And of course, this being the best of Saturday Night Live, Dan Aykroyd. This is from the the mid to late seventies. So, I hate to say it, a lot. You know, if if you put this in, and some uh, you know twenty year old today watches it, they're not going to know who anybody is because uh, Dan is playing President Carter and Bill Murray is playing Walter Cronkite, and this is. This is the typical, and it wasn't typical at the time, it became typical, but this was a typical sketch where people were calling in and asking President Carter questions, and they were talking about really, really obscure stuff, and then President Carter knew everything. And one guy was high on mushrooms, and President Carter talked him how to come down. And we've seen that in the future like with Reagan, uh, with Reagan and Bush, of all the presidents, where you you know they're portrayed as buffoons, but behind the scenes they really know what's going on, and that was and that was this one, uh, that was uh, you know, like Dan Aykroyd talking this kid coming down from acid. Bill Murray does a great Walter Cronkite. There's not a lot of sketches on here with Bill and Dan, just one on one. So that was a really nice sketch to see both of them in this sketch together, both playing characters, and once again, neither one cracking up. They got through the sketch, nobody brusted up, nobody even smiled when they weren't supposed to. And then we next one we have Fred Garvin, male prostitute. And like Fred Garvin, I talk about all the characters that Erwin uh, Mainway, the Conehead, while you know the Czech brothers. He, Dan also had these great one-off characters that you always remember. The Julia Childs, one-off, you're going to remember that. And here we have Fred Garvin, one-off, where he is a male prostitute with uh, Margot Kidder. This is when Superman was coming out, so she was a hot commodity. And Frank and uh, Dan just plays Frank as, um, as this dorky male prostitute. Hello? Mrs. Potter? 
Yes, Hedgie. The same Mrs. Potter who's vice president in charge of loans for the Franklin National Bank of Chicago? Yeah, that's me. Hey, this is for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, may I come in? What for? Uh, well, you see, ma'am, when a VIP like yourself uh -huh. comes to Moline to do business, it's customary for the company to send a gal up to the room. Compliments of Great Lakes feed and grain. <laughs> and, well, since you're a gal, the company sent me, Fred Jarvin, male prostitute. <laughs> I think you understand, Fred. I'm not uh, that kind of girl. Let me reassure you, ma'am. I can assure you yes. professional hygiene, uh -huh. discretion, and animal gratification. I have never had to pay for that in my whole life. Well, don't worry about it. Great Lakes Feed and Grain is picking up the tab. You've got me for the whole night. <laughs> hey, uh... Hey, as hey, for uh, horses, young lady. Hey. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. You're spending the night with Fred Jarvin, male prostitute. <laughs> and it's one of the most famous Saturday Night Live sketches. It's one of those sketches where they've used the guest star right. It's like uh, Margot Kidder was an actress, but she wasn't a comedian. And they, didn't g they gave her just enough to do, and they kept her in her comfort zone. There's nothing worse than watching... Like I was... Steve Martin has been in a couple... Steve Martin's a comedian live shows he knows how to handle that actors on the other hand have scripts they get multiple takes doing a live show may be a bit intimidating not that they can't do it but it might be a bit intimidating and they used margot kidder just right she fed dan the lines dan delivered the lines and of course garrett plays the pimp the black guy plays the pimp uh, uh what are you gonna do i yeah I, I've spoken. I've spoken the Garrett Morris piece. We have uh, the next one is a commercial parody where uh, Dan is on a plane and he's got his pocket pal and it's about plane crashes, which is, I, this is something I don't think you could, you couldn't have this commercial today. I mean, especially after, yeah, after 9-11, but this, like, with all the stuff that's going on in the skies, this... This was a, it was a fun commercial, but it was really, really dark as well. Where this, where your pocket pal is going to tell you what kind of plane is going to hit your plane. So he's like, seconds before you die, you know if you're going to get hit with a 747. And it's, I mean, it's a funny premise, but it, it's really, really dark. And once again, it would never, pardon the pun, that would never fly today. The uh, funny part is, is if you look in the background, you can see... Tom Davis and Al Franken, who uh, you know, who were writers and also performers, and of course Al Franken went on to polit politics and all that. But you can see them as extras in the commercial. So I'm probably guessing they probably wrote this commercial parody and were in this commercial parody. Now we have the uh, Tomorrow Show with uh, Tom Schneider which was another recurring character of Dan's, but this character doesn't hold up. It was a real character, and, and Tom was the talk show host of, the, like, Johnny Carson and David Letterman. They love Tom Schneider, but you, nobody's going to know who he is today. But he uh, Dan did a great Tom Schneider, and Mick Jagger 
was uh, and once again this was not on the VHS tape so this was a new one that I remember seeing Dan as Tom is actually interviewing Mick Jagger I did a podcast on the Ruddles with Mick Jagger he's in there Mick is really is a really really funny man he has excellent comic timing. He knows how to have fun with himself. He knows to have fun with others. And that's what happens in this sketch. He's just having fun with Dan playing Tom Snyder. This is a, like a, a time capsule. Tom Snyder interviewing Mick Jagger. That is like the 70s right there. Then we have uh, Bad Ballet. with, uh, And this is one of the few sketches on there that has the whole cast on there. Everybody is in it with guest Shelley Duvall. It's it's just the cast uh, doing a really, really bad ballet. Dan is the host, and he actually joins them on the stage dancing ballet. So this is really a physical, this is a really physical sketch where you just see all of the, all of the cast dancing poorly. It's just as silly as it sounds. But Dan gives it that gravitas as the announcer, as the commentator, and then again as the actor and the dancer at the end. The character he played, Leonard Pimp Garnell, that's the name. And with a name like that, you gotta be a pompous ass. And him being a pompous ass just gives weight to the sketch. It wouldn't have worked if he wasn't such a pompous ass telling everybody that we're going to see Bad Ballet. And if you don't like Bad Ballet, there's something wrong with you. Uh, the next sketch is Final Days. And okay, so here's what I'm going to do with this one. This is where he plays Richard Nixon. Madeline Kahn is guest. John Belushi is in it. Chevy Chase is in it. Gilda Radner is in it. I did a podcast where, when Madeline Kahn did this episode. So I am going to hold off. And if you want to know what happened in that sketch, I suggest that you check out my Madeline Kahn Saturday Night Live podcast. I did it with a good friend of mine, Mariel Smithwick. So instead of rehashing what I've already said here, go back and I think you'll enjoy the entire episode. Uh, then we had a Buzz Miller. E. Buzz Miller. And he is a he has a public access show. And you know what? For the longest time, I thought Wayne's World was the first public access show on Saturday Night Live. No, it was E. Buzz Miller. E. Buzz Miller. In the 70s, I uh, honestly, this is how stupid I am. I didn't even know they had public access in the 70s. But here we are. So Dan is a is a pioneer for, for Mike Myers. And E. Buzz Miller is sort of, he's a little bit like Irving Mainway. You know, he's just this sleazy guy. And they're talking about art and you know, Rubens and all these naked art. And uh, Lorraine Newman is his sidekick, and she's just a dizzy blonde. I talk a lot about Garrett Morris not having, not having a lot to do, and I think that can be the same for Lorraine Newman. I think a lot of times she was just, she played her valley girl or her ditzy blonde. She was just regulated to those in sketches, and that's what happens here. And it's basically Dan just talking about these old paintings and how they can turn you on because of their nude women. And Lorraine's just laughing. So um, it just seems like we've, it just seems like at the time it's like, we got to get Lorraine in a sketch. Let's just put her next to Dan and have her giggle. 
And that's what it is. Dan is great. I wish she would have done more in the sketch. Uh, then we have the Decabet, where uh, this was in the 70s, where President Ford was trying to get the United States to go to the metric system. And we weren't going to go to the metric system. So this is a sketch that came out of that, where we're going to have the Decabet, where it was only 10 symbols. And now, Mr. Joseph Franklin of the U.S. Council of Standards and Measures. Hello. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about how the new metric system conversion will affect you in one of a series of public re-education programs designed to make Americans aware of the metric conversion to take place in the next 10 years. Now, most Americans already know that the measurement of miles will be discarded in favor of kilometers, a system of measurement based on the unit of tens and already in use in most of the world. Few people, however, know about the new metric alphabet, the decabet. Deca from the Greek, 10, and bet from our own alphabet. Let's take a look, shall we? A, B, C, and D, our most popular letters, will remain the same. E and F, however, will be combined and graphically simplified to one character. The groupings G, H, I and L, M, N, O will be condensed to single letters. Incidentally, a boon to those who always thought that L, M, N, O was one letter anyway. And finally, the so-called trash letters, or P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z, will be condensed to this easily recognizable dark character. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten letters, ten fingers. Simple, isn't it? It's very, very funny. Uh, and, it, 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 you know, it makes sense, you know, when you first start about it. Yeah, we could do this, and then, and then this breaks down into silliness. Uh, but this is where it was just like a silly idea that we were going to go to the metric system, and that's why we have this sketch, and it's pulled off perfectly by Dan. He knows exactly. He's got this character down pat. So uh, Then we have Looks at Books, where he's talking about uh, talking to Jane Curtin. Jane and Dan work together well, not only as the Coneheads, but also they're on a lot of interview shows together, where she is the host and he is the guest. And they have a nice chemistry, a nice combo there. It was it was talking about how Dan got mauled by a bear, and he's he's in this heavily prosthetic makeup where his face is just really screwed up, and he's basically telling you not to feed marshmallows to bears with your mouth. It's a very very short. It it seems like that sketch would have been longer, but it was like a very very. It was like, oh, we need a we need a sketch just to, to pad out the show. Let's do this. Because usually the interview sketches go for two or three minutes. This was very, very short. It's like, you wrote this book on how not to get mauled by bears. Now, yeah, I wrote this book so other people won't get mauled by bears. Uh, don't, the bears might be cuddly. Don't, don't feed them marshmallows. And that was it. Boom, boom. I, it, to me, that's like, oh, we need to fill this out. Uh, we need to fill out this show sketch. Then we had uh, the family feud. And we, and we bring back Steve Martin and the Coneheads. So once again, we've already seen the Coneheads. We've already seen Steve Martin. He was on the show for four years. You're telling me they couldn't have put another sketch in here. Something different. Something that we haven't seen. I think at this point, I mean, everybody knows the Coneheads. And everybody knows that Steve Martin was a big part. I would like to have seen just something, maybe a little more obscure, maybe not quite as funny, but just something to to round out Dan Aykroyd. It's like, we know how great he is 
you know, as a conehead. We know how great he is working with Steve Martin. I would just have liked to seen something different. And Richard and uh, Bill Murray plays Richard Dawson. He plays him very, very English and very, very uh, fey. I don't. It was just a very, very odd impression of Richard Dawson the way Bill Murray played him. So the Coneheads were family, and then Steve Martin, Gilda Radner, and John Belushi are another family. Like I said, nobody's going to know this now, but at the time, Richard Dawson was on Hogan's Heroes. One of the main characters on Hogan's Heroes was LeBeau. LeBeau was from France. The Coneheads are from France. I figured Hogan's Hero, LeBeau, France joke could have been made, but but it wasn't. This is just your typical game show sketch where the answers are weird. The Coneheads say weird answers, and they're the answers up on there. All the the normal answers by Belushi, Gradner, and Martin, they're not up there, but the weird answers are. It's it's nice to see all the different people on there, but it once again, it's just the Coneheads being the Coneheads. We've already seen the Coneheads. Something new, my opinion. Uh, then we end the video with the video, the DVD with uh, the mechanic story. Dan Aykroyd comes home and he's a mechanic. Gilda Radner plays his daughter and she wants to hear a story and he doesn't want to tell her a story, but he ends up telling her a story and it's a story about a 56 Cadillac. It's basically the, the old trope where I, I, I'm just going to tell you what happened at, at my job as a fairy tale. And it's nice, nice chemistry between Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner. It, to me, it wasn't the strongest ending to the DVD. I think the Julia Childs would have been much, much better. And if memory serves me, I think that is the way how they ended the VHS tape. I think, like, Fred Garvin or, like I said, the Julia Childs, those would have been nice, big, strong endings. Or, since you didn't start the DVD... Rubber Biscuit, and the DVD with Rubber Biscuit. That would have been a stronger ending as well. And that's it. That is the best of Dan Aykroyd, the DVD. And as I said, they have had they added some stuff on there, and they actually took some stuff away because Rubber Biscuit is not on there. It's just an overall, it shows you how universally funny Dan was. It shows you how versatile he was. Shows you his great impressions at the time. I've read a lot of articles on Saturday Night Live at that time, and a lot of people have said that Dan was the glue that kept that cast together. And I can believe that. He was their utility man. And this DVD shows you how important he was to the cast. Chevy Chase and John Belushi, they have they may have blown up bigger and had a bigger personas, but Dan was the consummate professional, and he is the one that kept those first four or five years chugging along. I, I said this on my John Belushi. It's like you really don't need the DVD. All these clips are on YouTube. But it was just fun. I found it at a used bookstore for like a buck, so I bought it and I watched it. There's no bumpers or anything in there that you wouldn't find on YouTube. So all the sketches are on YouTube. But to me, it was just fun. It was kind of kind of nostalgic because, like I said, I had the VHS tape. And this was really, really close to the VHS tape. So, yeah, I'm a Dan fan. I loved watching this. It brought back memories. 
All of it's on YouTube, and all of it is his, and you can just find them all in his performances on Saturday Night Live while he was there. All right, that's it. Um, I am sorry there was no guest, but I wanted to keep cranking out and cranking out. That sounds. <laughs> I wanted to keep giving you guys podcasts. I, I hope you're enjoying this. If there's anything you want me to do differently, anything you want to suggest, please leave a note in the comments. I, I, I'm reading the comments, and if there's something that you want to see or something that you want to want me to do differently or something you want me to try, include it in those comments, and I will definitely look into it. We'll see you here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. That's me turning on the fan because I'm doing this in Houston and it's 90 degrees. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. How many times has this happened to you? You have a bass. You're trying to find an exciting new way to prepare it for dinner. You could scale the bass, remove the bass's tail, head and bones, and serve the fish as you would any other fish dinner. But why bother now that you can use Robco's amazing new kitchen tool, the Super Bassomatic 76? Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works. Catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it. Yes, it's just that simple. We've got fish here fast and easy and ready to pour. Bassomatic 76 comes with 10 interchangeable rotors, a nine-month guarantee, and a booklet, 1,001 Ways to Harness Bass. Super Bassomatic 76 works great on sunfish, perch, sole, and other small aquatic creatures. Super Bassomatic 76, it's clean, simple, and after five or 10 fish, it gets to be quite a rush. Super Bassomatic 76, you'll never have to scale, cut, or gut again. Order again. That's Pier 25, New York, New York. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast. manager Dan Aykroyd. Um, during the past few weeks in Los Angeles, actor Lee Marvin and his former live-in companion Michelle Triola Marvin have been in court to settle her claim that he owes her half his income from the six years they lived together. That is the subject of tonight's Point Counterpoint. Jane will take the pro-Michelle Marvin point while I take the anti-Michelle Triola counterpoint. Jane? Dan, times change and so does the nature of relationships. 
People are reluctant to get married these days, and looking at divorce statistics, who can blame them? But the lack of a piece of paper does not necessarily mean the lack of a total commitment. A woman in this modern-day relationship may well give up all her own personal pursuits, as Michelle Marvin claims she did, to give her full support to her man's career. And Michelle Marvin is just asking that the courts recognize that reality. Dan, there's an old saying. Behind every successful man, there's a woman, a loving, giving, caring woman. But you wouldn't know about that, Dan, because there's no old saying about what's behind a miserable failure. Jane, you ignorant slut.